Hello and welcome to another episode of Interview with an Expert in the Reptile Living Room. In today's episode, we are talking with none other than Mr. Sean Heflick of Python Hunters, uh, international fame from uh, Nat Geo Wild. I'm sure you've seen the show, and if you haven't, you definitely, definitely need to check it out. It's one of the best shows that actually shows the truth about the large constrictors and other invasive species there in the Florida area and uh, some of the other areas as well that they uh, do explore. So, it's uh, pretty much all that uh, I have to say. Without uh, further ado, here is Mr. Sean Heflick talking about python hunters. Tonight, uh, we're on the line with uh, Sean Heflick of Python Hunter uh, National Geographic Wild. Sean, one of the biggest things, of course, that everybody wants to know is, you know, are pythons taking over the Everglades? And yes, it is explaining your show, which everybody should be watching, by the way. <laughs> That's true. So what is, what's the take on it now, since Hurricane Andrew and all this other stuff has happened? Yeah, you know, most certainly that, you know, that this wild population, the vast majority of those genetics came from Hurricane Andrew, you know, 18 or so years ago. And, and over that time period, that population has had time to, you know, grow and multiply, and they are reproducing, there's no doubt about that. Okay. Um, but it is not the crazy invasion, and there's not an army of pythons, you know, slithering through the Everglades. You know, the estimates of 100,000, 150,000 are so off, right. you know, Mark, and so inflated. It is crazy. You know, the answer is we don't know how many pythons are out there. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, I'd say there's, you know, there's, there's several thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do know that the last two winters have have had a pretty dramatic effect on the numbers of pythons. Oh, okay. We've been seeing less, Greg, Michael, and I, mm-hmm. um, and also the other the other licensed and permitted, you know, hunters and and. Uh, individuals out there are seeing less and less and some of them have you know kind of thrown up their hands and like wow you know i'm not seeing anything is there anything left and there are you know there are still pythons out there and we and we still know that that uh as of last year at least that they were still breeding even after that severe winter but their numbers are way down Mm -hmm. um and ultimately you know if we continue to have really severe winters like we had last year Mm -hmm. um that population may barely hang on Okay. But it is certainly not going to grow, and it's not going to flourish. Right. And, you know, it, at that point, it becomes a, a manageable level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually the uh, all the sensationalism and the craziness that you see out there, like the 100,000 right. numbers and 150,000, that's going to go by the wayside as the truth gets out there. And that's really what we're trying to do on the Python Hunters, on that Wild. Right. You know, we're trying to tell the truth. The good, the bad, and the ugly, whatever it is. Right. Um, it's going on out there. Yeah, you know, and that's, I, I have to say, Sean, that's one of the things that, you know, at the opening of the show, you know, when I first saw the original episode, you know, I was like, oh, great, Python Hunters. Oh, dear Lord, here we go again. You know, it's going to be this yep. big sensationalism oh, yeah. and all this crap about, you know, pythons are invading the country, you know, lock up your women and children because they're all going to come yeah, again. Exactly. You know? And next thing I know, it's three guys. You know, not not demeaning you by any means, but I'm just, you know, three guys out there field herping, having fun, and educating the public. I was flabbergasted. I watched the damn episode, the first episode three times. I was well, like, that's it. That <laughs> is all it is. <laughs> I, I like, mean, that, that's, the, that's the beauty of it, you know? <laughs> but no, I mean, you always see all these other shows about, you know, well, there was another show on last weekend right after yours. Um, I won't name it, but it was bad. 
it was just like, wow, really? I, I watched it, yeah. Yeah, I was like, wow, we went from really cool to, wow, this is why we yeah. stopped watching Animal Planet. <laughs> so Yeah, I hear yeah. you. And, you know, really, you know, Michael, Greg, and I, we, we sat out and we said, look, we want to do this, we want to do the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody's going to do it. Right. And, and if we don't do it right. correctly... Every Yahoo and their brother will be out here making us look like fools, and that's not really what we wanted for the industry. So, right. you know, we actually made some pretty big sacrifices with our homes and lives and companies, and, and uh, which a lot of people don't really understand. They think it's, oh, you must be making a hundred thousand know, dollars. Yeah, well, that's not the case. That's something I wanted to talk to you about, not in, not in specific detail, because I don't, you know, want to get too personal. But how does production work? Because I know a lot of it seems to me a lot of people. Once they get into production and then, you know, everything is filmed, it's like after that, it's whatever the studio or, you know, the executives want. We, is that well, the case? or you know, we were really fortunate. We oh, okay. kind of stuck to our guns and we've got editing rights. Wow, okay. Which is, yeah, which never happens. You know, I, I, everybody that's been in the industry I talk to is like, are you serious? How did that happen? Yeah. And, and we just really stuck to our guns and, and all of us said, no, we, we want the ability... To a for us not to look like fools, right, right. Unless it's deserved, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and and b we don't want the industry to look, you know, we don't want that stereotypical, really outlier, you know, right. that, that everyone has always put on the reptile industry. Right. You know, we want we want the reality of it, and if we can't have that, it's not a deal. Right, and they've been really good to us. We we um you know we go through every single episode. I don't know how many times we go through the script. We go through the actual footage, and and there have been some times where we said, whoa, you know that that's got to come out of there. Right, and and they've they've obliged, and um, so it, it's worked out real well. And I think that's really one of the keys. Mm-hmm. Is the three of us having that uh, that editing capability? Right. You know, so that uh, and it's not even about you know. Some people would say, well, that you know, you're you're twisting the truth. Well, we're doing the opposite. We're we're yeah. keeping the production company from putting something in there that they don't understand. You know that that right. is dishonest or, or not real. Correct. Right. And I totally understand that because I you know watched enough television and you know, especially Snake TV, to see where production companies, it was like, you know, the jump cuts and stuff, it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't fit something. Yeah. Something's missing. (laughs) That's not the way that went down. And that's what was so enjoyable about you guys, you know, as you, like I said, you're three guys out there, you know, a cop, a herpetologist, and, you know, uh, uh, a photographer, you know, and a breeder, you know, it's like you guys walk into a bar and all meet and just go out and go field herping. I mean, it's just, it's it's real, true field herping at its finest. Now, yeah. and one of the biggest things, you know, we were talking about this a uh, little bit on Facebook, is in the first episode, the musking scenes were just hysterical. Oh, those are those were instant classics. Oh my god! Because you, I mean, and I can't even remember who it was that got musked, but I was talking about that the next day at work and trying that, to explain that would to be people. Michael. <laughs> But I just remember he, he got it in his mouth, and you know, I couldn't remember again which one of you said it. But there was not a beat missed, and you're like, you know, and someone said, you know, so how old's that snake? And I just died. I mean, that yeah. was just hilarious. Yeah, 
I, I, I'll tell you what a lot of people don't realize until they tell it is, you notice that I'm never in that footage. You hear my voice? Yeah. <laughs> That's because they actually gave me the camera because we filmed all day long. And then we, you know, we were like, well, we're not done. We want to go out night herping, you know? <laughs> so we went out by ourselves, and they gave me the camera and said, knock yourself out. So I wow. was actually behind the camera, and when that squirted him in the face, I was on it. <laughs> and I'll tell you what you don't really see is at first, it, he, you know, Michael was mad. Yeah. And then, you know, he, <laughs> he started to laugh it off, and then, you know, it, it proceeded as, as, you know, you saw. Right, but. Right. I mean, that is, you know, come on. Nobody who is a tried-and-true field herper has ever gotten away scot-free without getting dumped on. Yeah, no. <laughs> it just doesn't That's exist. That's real. <laughs> exactly, and it was. Now, um, as far as the legislation is concerned, I'm not sure how far you can, you know, go into this without, you know, uh, damaging things or what have you. But yeah. as far as the legislation is concerned... Um, to me, it seemed like it came from when the little girl was um, killed by the boyfriend's python or whatever in Florida, and then all of a sudden, just every all this new legislation just started popping up. Was it going on before then? Is was that the catalyst that or you know, the straw that broke the camel's back? What's your opinion it was, on that? It was definitely going on before that. Okay. And I, I think what that was is exactly that. That was the catalyst that just sped up. Right. Um, you know, what was already in motion mm -hmm. and, and really put a kicker on it. Right. Um, but all of that was, you know, already in the mill, already in the works and, and coming down the pike. And mm -hmm. when that happened, it really, you know, the media ran wild with it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, and, and everybody, every congressman or senator or whatever that had a bill in right. there utilized it and um, as, their, as their ship. They, right. They, uh, you know, their self on it and uh, weigh the weight. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, it's just amazing. Now, as far as filming, because now in the last episode that I saw, we actually got to see a lot of um, your homes, which kind of surprised me. I was like, wow, dude, that's kind of personal. <laughs> yeah. Why, um, why did you guys take that extra step and make it, that much more personal versus, you know, hey, let's just keep it to the field and, you know. Well, you know, we, we talked about that and, you know, um, our families are involved. Right. You know, my, my wife is involved. My son has, I mean, my God, my son was like three years old when he got his first hatchling crocodile. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, he's lived the life. He, he wants to be a wildlife vet. Um, and, and both Michael and Greg's family are, are very much, you know, outdoors oriented and, and reptile people. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, for us, that was a logical step. And again, we wanted to make it as real as possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it seemed natural to us. And, you know, our families go down there hunting with us. Right. So, you know, why just because the camera is there, would, would they not be there all of a sudden? Right. Um, so, yeah, it was a real logical step for us because our families are involved. Okay. And, you know, I think it was a good move, honestly, because I think that gives you a view inside of our real world. Right, right. Um, and really makes us human, you know, as opposed to, oh, there's these three guys running around the airway. Yeah. 
it's true. like, where do, where do they go at night? Do they just exactly. like, sleep in their trucks or what? Exactly. It's like, you know, it's like people in the movies, you know, you never see them go to the bathroom, you know, they don't have a home or anything, you know. Yeah, and they I mean, I'll, I'll save the I'll, day. I'll, and, you know. I'll pee right on a turtle's nest. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Now, last uh, last episode, you had taken out your son, actually, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And uh, now there was some footage in there that uh, would alarm some people. When he was very young, he was uh, catching snakes, and I don't remember what type of snake it was that he actually caught. Do you remember that part? Um, actually, I think that. Um, oh, was that? Um, are you talking about home video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a home video. That was actually Greg's son. That was Greg's um, son. Okay. Yeah, that was Lane. Okay, my and, apologies. Um, you know, what, what people don't see is, again, just like my son, who's been raised with this stuff, and really, at 16 years old, he has more experience with, you know, crocodilians and, and you know, a lot of different uh, snakes and, and other reptiles, amphibians, right. than most people I know that are herbers. Right, right. Um, you know, because he's lived it. He's, I mean, you know, we've got six acres. He's got chores. He wakes up in the morning and... And he feeds and he cleans, and before he goes to school, then when he gets home, he's got more reptile chores to do. Um, and you know, and Lane's a little younger, but he, you know, he's been around it a lot too. And mm-hmm. and what you don't see is that Greg actually set up a catch with a with a docile, you know, captive raised Burmese. Oh, okay. And and before that, and you know didn't tell Lane because he wanted to see how he'd react, and then right. Lane went through the process. So basically it was a training session. Sure, sure, okay. That and Lane sense. did really well. So then then what you see is the whole video of Lane actually taking a wild one. Right. And he'd already been through the process. He'd been trained, he, you know, and his dad was right there saying, you know, you know, watch, be, you know, be careful, do that, you know. And right. so it, it wasn't really, if, if people step back and, and really watch that video. Right. Right. It's not like a kid was turned loose in the wilderness to right. go, you know, go run amok. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, so it's. Uh, it, I think for some people it might be like, oh my gosh, but really, if you would go back and and look at it step by step with the knowledge that he has already been through training sessions, right, and grown up around it, and it's like riding a bicycle, right? Exactly. You know, do you do you uh, put them on two wheels and tow them behind the car and then cut <laughs> the rope? <laughs> No, probably not. You, you put them on training wheels, you let them, you know, mill about on training wheels for four or five months until they're confident, and then you slowly take one off, and you take, you know what I mean? Right, right. And um, and that's really the process that our kids have gone through. Okay. Very nice. Now, um, can you speak to how many reptiles are actually on on premises at one time, a rough guess? At my facility? At, at your facility, yeah. Oh, wow. Um uh, yeah, good question. Um, not only do I have my own collection of, of venomous and, and, you know, some larger pythons, uh-huh. my wife has a, now a new large uh, collection of ball pythons. She decided uh, to get oh. into those. All right. We've got albino iguanas. We've got, uh, I mean, we've got a lot of stuff. And, yeah. And, you know, it's I run a sanctuary here, so I get right. a lot of stuff that, that people don't want. And I've right. got uh, giant sulcatas. Wow. Uh, I've got iguanas, uh, you know, you name it. Right. I've got stuff. Just just yesterday, um, the local animal control called me up and delivered two veiled chameleons, um, a ornate Chinese tree dragon. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really sometimes <sighs> a daily thing. 
last week I drove down to Port St. Lucie and picked up a 15-foot uh, tiger retic. Oh. It was an amnesty call that fishing, you know, fishing uh, game uh, put me onto. Right. So you know, it, it fluctuates. It goes up and down, but there's uh, I don't even know. There's easily over a hundred animals, easily over a hundred animals at yeah. any given time. That's just wild. And, that, and a lot of them aren't aren't here by my choosing. They're here because rescues, you know, it, right. it's a sanctuary for them. Right. Exactly. Now, how does that work, running a sanctuary for reptiles? Are they adopted back out eventually, or, well, depending uh, you know, on the species, really, actually, I mean, obviously. Some of them do. Okay. If, you know, if I know someone who's, you know, who I know is reliable and, and right, um, right. you know, can take care of them, and, and really, not just that, but has the resources mm-hmm. to take care of them. And so some of them are adopted back out. Oh, okay. Um, but some of them will live out their life here, uh-huh. um, you know, because... There is no one who, who, you know, has the resources to, to take care of them, or at least no one that I've come across. Right. You know, we've, right. we've got a, quite a few large sulcatas. One of them is 110 pounds. Oh. Um, and there aren't a lot of people, you know, that can just tell them and put that in my backyard, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, so some of them will live out their lives here, and, and uh, which is fine with us. we got plenty of room and, and got the resources to do it. Right, right. Now, speaking of the resources to do it, what is your take on, you know, even owning large reptiles? And by large, I mean anything over, say, 12 feet, I guess is probably about average for a red-tailed boa? Well, I'm going to tell you, I honestly, I'm a proponent of responsible people owning you know, what they want to know. Okay. Um, and, and responsible is the, is the key. Right, very definitely. And with that responsibility goes, you know, they must have the land, the the money and resources, the ability and knowledge right. to take care of that species, whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are all the keys. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that people keep in this world. And you know, let's just be matter of fact about it. You walk into any SPCA, Humane Society, you know, and they are full, right. packed to the gills of cats and dogs. Right. You know, and you don't see that with reptiles. I mean, there, there's, without a doubt, let's be honest, there's also a fair number of reptiles that, that need rescued and need sure. good home. But not on the magnitude of cats and dogs. No, So it, as long as we're talking about you know, constraints on what people can keep. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they need to start with cats and dogs. They, you know, um, and I'm not saying I, I'm all about, you know, regulation and government in my business, because I'm not, I'll tell you that right now. Right. But, <laughs> but on the other side of that coin, I'm also not about people having animals that shouldn't have animals. Mm-hmm. And the feral cat population speaks volumes for that right there. When, when we've got millions of feral cats in Florida alone, wow. something is wrong with the system. I did not know You know, when know there that. are colonies of feral cats that are almost a thousand strong and no one's really doing anything about it, something's wrong. You know, that's something a wildlife biologist told me one time when, you know, I was helping out with the study. He said, if you ever want to save a piece of land, find something there that's cute and fuzzy and tell somebody you want to save it. You know, and I was like... <laughs> I was like, yeah. what the hell does that mean? <laughs> now I yeah, know. <laughs> it, it really, it is. And, um, you know, the politicians, 
got on the bandwagon of the Burmese python. Right. Because it was easy. Oh, sure. They saw an easy target because of, of the, the fear that a lot of people have about snakes and serpents. It goes back to the you know biblical times. Right, right. You know, and snakes have just had a really bad PR agent. Yeah, they have. And, you know, if I would like to see those same politicians that are so concerned about the endangered species and the wildlife out there, mm-hmm. if that's truly the case, then I want you to go out and I want you to put a bill together that will take care of the eradication of every feral cat in the state of Florida. And I will guarantee you no one will touch that with a 10-foot pole because their run in politics would be over. Right. Exactly. And that's the dilemma we face. Right. Now, you know, every, every you know, silver-haired old lady and everybody down the line loves cute little kitties. Oh, yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. Now, it doesn't matter that those cats are feral, running wild. They're, they're some of the most just really adept predators on this planet. They yeah. kill for fun, not just to eat. Hmm. And, you know, all that is, you know, they're able to put that by the wayside because it has hair. Right, exactly. And and that's a problem for me. As a biologist, that's a problem for me. Right, right. You know, and um, until we can get a handle on that kind of mentality of that kind of politics mm-hmm. and uh, political thinking, um, we've got issues. Right, right. Now, something, talking about uh, responsible ownership, something that kind of struck me in the uh, last episode of Python Hunters, and I don't remember, I, I want to say it was Greg, but I don't think that's right. I think it might have been Mike. Uh, went down to the airport to pick up a shipment. That was Michael, yep. That was Michael. Okay, it was Mike. <clears throat> okay, and, you know, going through it and everything's kosher, and next thing you know, you know, okay, there was a couple loose, you know, loose animals, you know, probably not a big deal, but you know, there was some fines, you know, there could have been some fines levied or what have you. And yep. then they opened it up and found the, um, I want to say it was Caymans with the mouths not taped shut. And, right. you know, that was like, and the thing, the whole point to me was nobody freaked out. <laughs> you know, nobody went into a freaking panic over it. You know, I was like, oh, well, well, that's interesting. Okay, close the box back up. You know, but every time you hear it in the media or you know, a show outside of Python Hunters talking about pythons, it's like, oh, well, you know, Miami's the, you know, number one hot spot because, you know, the uh, crates break open and stuff gets loose, and it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and you know, that goes back to, you know, when we decided, when when Michael, Greg, and I decided to do this show, mm-hmm. you know, we all realized and, you know, truly believe that, these animals we're dealing with are sensational enough in their own regard. Oh, you know, totally. Just, just, I mean, come on. You know, it, you cannot, even if you hate snakes, look at a Burmese python and not think, wow, that is a beautiful animal. That is very majestic. It's, it's powerful. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so our whole thought on that is, why, why would we over-sensationalize or overblow, you know, this craziness when mm-hmm. there are there are great sensational issues out there for real yeah exactly on their own merit you know right and and so that's really how we we've, we've tried to gauge things along the way mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and we question ourselves, is, is this over the top? Is that a little too much? That doesn't feel right, you know, um, and, and I think it works. Yeah. No, it definitely, and, and just for our listening audience, if they haven't yet, for some strange reason, haven't seen Python Hunters, you guys need to see this show. It is very well done, uh, very professional, and it's just, you know, field herpers out in the field having fun. I mean, I just, And I'll tell you, if... If if you watch it and you don't laugh, something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong with you because you know because we are we're, we're just three friends, you know, living our childhood dreams, you know, running a muck in the Everglades and playing with with reptiles and just really enjoying the outdoors and enjoy being together and having fun. Yeah. And swimming for sunglasses, too. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's okay. I'll get them back on that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will. <laughs> now, one of the questions we had come across from one of our listeners on Facebook was, uh, what can we do as pet owners to stop the reptile uh, witch hunt going on around the country? What would be your uh, best take on, you know, how to combat this? Well, I'll tell you, it, responsible. Right. Be responsible, you know, t- try to educate other reptile owners that you know that your friends with or, you know, your family, whoever it is. You know, it's all about responsibility and being responsible, doing the right thing, and, you know, educating yourself out there. And that goes from, you know, the, the seven-year-old kid who wants to get a, a pet corn snake mm-hmm. on up to the resellers and wholesalers and, and breeders. You know, do the right thing. Right. And, um, you know, this is, this is an industry that is huge. It's grown by leaps and bounds since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, really is not the monster that everybody portrays it to be because they don't understand it. But I think it's up to us to make sure that it doesn't become that right. and that we educate people um, about it. And, you know, one of the things that, that we've done, um, all three of us, Michael, Greg, and, and myself, are working to develop um, and put together the Florida Reptile and Amphibian Association. And it is going to be an association we are working hand-in-hand with FWC, and we want to put out there SOPs, Standard Operating Procedures, and best, best management practices. And the way we want to do this is almost like a certification and say, hey, if you are a member, here are the SOPs, uh, and and the BMPs, uh-huh. and if you're a member, you're going to sign off that you do these, you abide by these caging regulations, these care, husbandry, feeding, you know, no matter what it is, transport, mm-hmm. and that, you know, that, that you're basically swearing that you're going to do these, you're going to uphold these, these good practices, um, and that's where we're pushing. You know, it's really about education. You know, we're not going to leave you hanging. We're going to help you. Right. We're going to say, look, here are the SOPs and the BMPs mm-hmm. that, you know, a group of us feel are, are essential right. to responsible reptile and amphibian keeping. Mm-hmm. And here they are. Bang. There's no mystery. There's no guessing games. This is how we feel, you know, animals should be kept. If you agree with that, you know, then become a member and, right. and spread the word. You know, and it's not just a, a society that, you know, gets together and you know, there's a speaker. You know, this is actually a proactive, like I said, we work hand-in-hand 
um, with with Fish and Wildlife Commission down here, mm-hmm. and they're on board. They're you know we're we're looking into inspections with a retired FWC um, you know captain. Wow. And you know it's above board. It's all going to be vet certified. I mean the whole deal. We're doing it right. Wow. And I think honestly. The reptile industry has been behind a little bit, and we should have come ahead, you know, 20 years ago and done these same things. Yeah, I do think you're right. You know, self-legislation, otherwise, you know, the legislators will legislate us. That's right. You, you know, know, police ourselves, right. do the right thing, be responsible, and then we won't have other people telling us what to do. Right, exactly. Now, do you guys have any idea when that's going to be kicked off, or is that something? It is. I, well, I can tell you this, that you can go to the website. Oh. Um, and, and it is um, F-L-R-A-A. Okay. Dot org. All right. Um, and, the, you know, the scaffolding's there and everything, mm-hmm. and a lot of information. But um, the next meeting before, bang, we kick it off is this week. Wow. Um yeah, so we're we're ready to do this thing, and there's going to be so much information there. Like I said, uh, you know, it really is an educational portal, right? As well as an organization to you know really better the industry. Wow, that's just awesome. And that's f l r a a dot org. Yes. Okay. Very cool. All right. <clears throat> well, Sean, um, anything you'd like to add to uh, uh, our listeners or any? Uh, final words of wisdom as it were before we let you go well uh, you know we've got five more episodes the next one you know they're they're every friday on that geo wild at right. 9 p.m uh for the next five weeks awesome. and uh hopefully we're going to be gearing up and doing season three uh soon and, and i'll tell you you know send in um i think you can find that you know google us you can find us you can track us down without a doubt oh, uh, yeah. we're out there and, you know, if you've got any concerns, you've got any, I mean, you know, accolades, whatever it is, or, mm-hmm. you, you know, something that they you that you'd like us to, to uh, take a look at, we'd be more than happy. You know, we started out doing this for the reptile industry. Wow. And uh, our heart is still there, no doubt, who we are. Right. And, um, you know, we're open for suggestions. That's awesome. Well, there you have it. Sean Heff like himself, folks. You can send in information and, you know, stuff that you want to know about, and they'll take a look at it. I don't think it gets any better than that. I mean, that's, you know, pretty much made for TV right there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like you can program your own show. That's right. <laughs> and so there you have it. That was Sean Heplick of Python Hunters on Nat Geo Wild. And please do check out the show. It's an awesome show. It's an honest show. The first honest show that I've ever seen in regards to what it's like to do some field herping. Um, in regards to the whole Python thing going on down in Florida. And do check out the website, flarr.org. That's flarr.org. And uh, do leave some comments on the blogs. Uh, you can find us at reptileapartment.com, reptilelivingroom.com, which you're listening to now, herphousemag.com. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week on the Reptile Living Room. Mm-hmm.